0: So when Matt asked me to preach his sermon a couple months ago, I was like, yes. I was like, what's the sermon series? He's like, Be Still and Know. I'm like, all right, sweet. What are the titles? And he told me the different titles. I'm like, can I have this one? And you'll hear what the title of this series is in a second. But I, I chose it on purpose because you're going to find that um, this the transition that we've been in in the last year, some of you know it more than others, but it doesn't really matter, um, has been a learning time for me. And, and after 30 years of being in the ministry, I would think... All right, maybe you know how dumb I am, but I would think that I would have figured this thing out a little bit better, being able to surrender myself to God and what He's doing easier. But He never ceases to amaze me with the magnitude of lessons that I continue to get to learn. And so I'm just going to share with you, it is not wrapped up in a pretty bow. I like to wrap them up in a pretty bow, tell you about it later, and then share with you my mistakes and how you can avoid them. <laughs> I'm just smack dab in them right now, all right? So. You get to learn with me, and maybe you can be like, yeah, I'd have done that differently. So, um, but that's what today is about. So in, as Paul states in Corinthians, uh, he boasts in his weaknesses. And so I'll make light of myself. I actually do have a much better self-esteem than what I portray, um, probably why I can do it. But I laugh at myself because sometimes I really am a slow learner, and I'm really like, God, why did I do that? And it, he's like, well, because you're you. And I'm like, thank you for your patience. So Matt talked last week about what I am learning, and it's about our busy reality. All right. And if you weren't here, I challenge you go back and listen to it. It's just phenomenal. Uh, but there, in the in the process, I think I just want to summarize it by one of the the illustrations that he was giving. I don't remember the doctor's name, but he equated the fact that our our busyness, we could work a six day, twelve hour week and it wouldn't hurt us. And that would fall in line very much with the scriptures and how God worked six days. You'll see how that aligns momentarily. But if you add mental fatigue to your job, then it does incredible damage to the body. And so if we understand what Christ came to do in our lives, and as we continue to move forward in this message this morning, if you, if you weren't here, you really got to go back because Matt unpacked a lot more than just that statement. Uh, he even equated that fighter pilots are oftentimes less stressed than those who have to commute long distances to work. Right? So just think about that. The mental fatigue and stress that, and how it has an effect upon our bodies, Christ came to transform our minds. All right? And so Christ literally rewrites our minds, but how do we do that? And Matt shared the busyness over stillness and how do we learn to be still? right? And so what does that stillness look like? Okay. And so today I get to unpack that part of the message a little bit more. What does Christ's stillness look like? What does he really give us access to? But here's the, here's the overall, the, the theme verse, Matt shared it in several different translations. I love some of them, but I I don't have time to go through them all. But the verse says, this: he says, be still and know that I am God, be still. And stillness, as Matt said, looks different in each one of our lives but we each have to figure this out because it's in that stillness that you and I get to learn and uncover and understand who God really is and what he has for our lives. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The whole goal of our lives is to glorify God. So how do we do that in the busyness of our lives? And our busyness looks different for all of us. It could be everything from our social media tendencies to our job and our titles and our workloads and our families and our vacations. And we can busy ourselves with all kinds of stuff. But are we, causing, are we allowing ourselves to be still and know who God truly is in our lives? So I get to share today about His better way. His better way. And in the, in the reality of our busy, busyness, what is His better way? And that's what I get to talk about today. And it's what God has been allowing me to learn over the last. Uh, I, would, I would say the last five months have been really um, eye-opening for me. But he knew from the very beginning of time, the genesis of mankind, that we were going to struggle with this idea of being still. And so he built into the system of time, into our lives, a break. He put into it a fail-safe, so to speak, so that we would have a break from all of life's distractions. He provided a better way from the very, very beginning, and we as humans have been resisting it ever since. We make a mess out of what God has done in our lives. We really, we really try to tell him how we're going to do this. We're really good at that, all right? And maybe you're not as good at it as I am, but I'm really good at telling him how it should have been. All right, but God says, be still and rest. He, that, that, that's his command to us. That's his encouragement to us. That's his key to us understanding who he is. But each of us then are thrown onto a a path to figure out, okay, what does that look like in my life? So according to the scriptures that we just read in Psalms, if you keep reading that Psalm, it says, in the midst of the wars, in the midst of the, the lack of peace, in the midst of the unjust society that they were living in, and the Israelites were living in a horribly unjust society, in the midst of all of that, God says, I will be the one to break the bow. I will be the one to burn the shield. I will be the one to bring peace. So ultimately, as we begin to look at this idea of stillness and rest, the reality is it's peace. It's peace that comes in the midst of Christ. It's peace that comes in the midst of busyness. But we've got to understand, how does Christ really provide that? We need to understand what does that really look like in our lives. And the older I get, the more I just become impressed with, we have to understand what God did in the book of Genesis. And those of you that know me, I love to talk about the creation and evolution and all that stuff. I'm not going there today. I'm not even talking about the amygdala and all of our emotions. Might reference it. But what I want us to understand is that God created a very good world. From the very beginning, When we walked with God hand in hand, before we were separated, we had the fullness of God's peace in the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. So I want to remind us of the story in Genesis. Genesis is just, it just means the beginning, right? So this is the beginning. And if you read the rest of part, the very first part of Genesis it says, in the beginning, the the earth was formless and void. There was chaos. And that's ultimately what Matt was talking about in our minds when we're busy, there's chaos in our minds. He was saying how he can't even go to sleep at nights at times. Why? Well, because there's chaos up there in that mind, right? So your body could be at rest, but our minds could be going a thousand miles an hour. How do we bring it to stillness? So God says, God looked over all that he had made. All right, this and he and he saw that it was very good. There was, after everything that he did everything was very, very good. And evening passed and morning came. That's like sun up, sun down, 24 hours. Anyways, I didn't say, I I said I wasn't going to talk about it. So anyways, marking the sixth day. All right. So then we keep going. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed in six days. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. Six days of work, one day of rest. Keep going. And God blessed that seventh day, and he declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all the work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And at that point in time, as God worked those six days, he built into the system of work this idea of rest. God didn't need rest. And we're going to see what does Jesus say about this idea of rest? When God set it apart, he set apart an entire day. All right, work six, rest one. And I'm, and I'm declaring that day holy for you. Hmm. So what does that really mean? We get it. That's the what. The what is the rest, all right? The what is the stillness. The what is the is, is that the why why did he do it is the important part for us to understand so that we can want what he gives to us because if we don't want it if you don't want something you're never going to try and get it you have to want what god has given to us if you're ever going to experience it all right so we keep going through the scriptures and uh, as god stated this command he repeats this idea of rest over and over and over again over and over and over again in fact he makes it one of the ten commandments in exodus 20 all right exodus 28 through 11 says this remember to observe the sabbath by keeping it holy you have six days each week for your ordinary work you have six days each week for your ordinary busy reality but the seventh day that's a sabbath day of rest dedicated to the lord your god and on that day no one in your household may do any work any of your busy reality. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath and set it apart as holy. Hmm. Okay, so it's a command. We're supposed to honor it. We're supposed to not do any work. And those of you that are my age, you still remember the days when you couldn't even go to the restaurant. You couldn't go to the stores. They were closed down. Our society was based upon this idea that you didn't work. And if you're a Christian, God forbid you only mowed the backyard because if someone saw you, you are going to hell that you mowed on Sunday, right? Okay, apparently none of you ever did that. All right, so, and you didn't have a backyard. All right, so the, the reality is we have diverged from that type of society now we don't even really know what a sabbath really is anymore i'm not even saying that was the right way to do it because jesus comes in because the pharisees would have been the law keepers of you mowing on sunday that's just the best analogy that we can have today right he tells the pharisees this he said unto them the sabbath was made for man okay this is jesus talking to you and to me this is getting to the heart of the why. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In that moment, when Jesus declared that he is, his authority is higher than the Ten Commandments, the Pharisees were irate. He just declared that his word was stronger and more powerful than the word of Moses. That's a problem in the Jewish faith. And Jesus just said it. So Jesus is either Lord of the Sabbath, or he's a heretic. And they went about to try and kill him because of this, right? It was one of the many things that he said that they declared. You're declaring yourself God. And Jesus was, like, yeah, uh, it's because I am. It's what he did. And he said, in this moment, when I want you to understand this idea of rest, this idea of Sabbath, he says, I get to declare what it's about. And when we did this, when God and I set this into place it was for you huh so when we look at the idea of the ten commandments the scriptures are all about mankind's relationship with god and others all right and so when we look at the commandments the first few commandments i think it's the first five are all about this relationship with us and god and he tells us how that relationship don't put any other gods before him, don't uh, and and when you when you look at those you identify okay that's how i, my, I should relate to god then you have this idea of rest. All the self-help books, those of you that know me know that I love the Enneagram. It's just a tool to help us understand ourselves. But this is a command, right? The day of rest. This is how we're supposed to take care of ourselves. All the other self-help books that are out there, this is a command on how we're supposed to love ourselves. God gave us a command so that we can literally take care of our mind. Because it's in the stillness, it's in the Sabbath that we're able to transform our mind into the likeness of God because our busy reality of the six days of work get us unfocused on God. He says, I want you to take time to make sure that you, that you think through all that you've done and filter it through my lens so that you don't lose track of who you are in this. In fact, this is going to be so important for your mind and your emotions that I'm going to give you a whole day set apart to do this. In fact, it's going to be so important. I'm going to make it a holy day that it's a law that you have to follow. Now, the Pharisees added 600 more laws to them, and it really wasn't very beneficial. And we really lost the whole point of the law, which is why Jesus comes in and he says, I'm over that. I'm, I'm telling you that you got it wrong. Because the Pharisees were mad that they were picking grain on the Sabbath. He's like, You guys don't even, you guys are so far off on why we even put that in there that you're missing the point and we today have missed this point so much that we don't even do it anymore but as i told you i was going to boast of my weaknesses i'll give you a little update all right so we moved to arizona out there and i'm no different than anybody all right so i'll just tell you how bad i am at this all right and i'm really bad at stillness all right i am not good at stillness i'm not good at resting i love work i don't even believe in the american retirement system it's just not even a part of who i am like and and i don't really care if you do you just aren't going to make me believe in it. And that's okay. We're all different. You'll see why, because I'm not making any judgments. But because of that, I have a really difficult time not working. I love to work. I love being busy. I long for my busy reality. I haven't worked in five months. All right. Well, I haven't had a technical job in five months. So when we moved to Arizona, we had our plans started out in January of 2022. I'll just give you a brief update. January, 2022, We felt God was calling us out to Arizona. My sister's suffering with uh, cancer and a really bad disease, and uh, her health is continuing to decline. The doctors still can't figure anything out. Um, So we know we're right where God wants us, and that's going to be highlighted again here in a second. So we move. We plan on moving. My daughter gets married on March 13th or March 12th. That night, our house floods. We have over $65,000 worth of damage done to our house on that night. And uh, then my wife moves on Easter because that was our original plan because we were going to sell our house after our daughter got married. Everything was going to be hunky dory. The market was booming during that time. And uh, well, God had other plans. So it took three months to try and get the insurance company to cooperate. So they finally cooperate. But now Stacy's already out there. She's living with my sisters, bouncing around from house to house. I'm back home, moving a whole house, 3,200 square feet. Thank you very much. And uh, trying to deal with the insurance companies, starting up a job. I, work in a job where i believe god had provided for us all uh we finally get to the point where we think we have the house sold the house gets put on the market the house falls through we lose thousands more dollars uh, it's just a mess but then by that point in time the house falling through we had already scheduled to move i've already got the moving truck on its way out there we still didn't have it when we put the moving truck on its way out there we still didn't have a house to live in so during that time i we had 12 days to find a house before the stuff got there so we found a rental house we moved out there um, by the time the stuff showed up, I had an address to give them. It was stressful, right? Busy reality Then we get out there I'm taking care of my aunt and uh, I've been taking care of her for eight years Virtually and going out there all the time trying to visit her two weeks later. I get out there I'm like finally I can be out here and help take care of her provide care Make sure she's getting all the care she needs she dies So now I'm dealing with the the estate and all that guy good stuff My sister's health continues to decline now. We're paying two mortgages and the job that I have that I thought was God's provision, uh, the, the board decides that they're going to take a different route and uh, go in a direction that wasn't me, nor what I signed up for. And I'm like, well, that, that kind of blows chunks. That's not what I'm going to do. And uh, so then as of January 31st, I have no job. So, and my sister's health continues to decline. And the, mo- the house we moved into, it's a rental and it had 28. 28- I could go on and on and on about all the things that didn't go how they're supposed to go just like you you have your own busy reality but what i want you to do and what i really want to do is i want to highlight god's provision in all of that i could focus on all the stuff that we lost i could focus on all the things that have gone wrong i could focus on all the stressful moments of life i could focus on all the i could and i did and it was, I haven't, like I told you, I'm, I'm learning this. I'm like, all right, I got to preach a sermon, so I got to learn something, so I give them something good. So God has been thrusting this idea of rest down my throat since January. In fact, one of the things that um, I know is in the realm of, of God's ways in the Jewish world, there's a festival called the Year of Jubilee that I absolutely love. I've thought it was, a, it's the most amazing idea and concept ever. In fact, all of Jewish society is based around this J- year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, your debts are wiped out. Uh, you get a massive reset, Klaus Schwab, beat your heart out. And uh, so you get a restart, right? So everything starts over. Your life starts over, your property values start over. If you have debt, it's wiped out. It's just the most amazing thing ever. I'm like, man, that'd be amazing. And God's like, yeah, Donnie, that's what I just did for you. Well, I'm not very jubilant about this. Because he wiped out our debts. I'm living debt-free. I, have, I could focus on what I lost, or I could focus on what he provided. Even in the loss, he provided me more than I can possibly imagine. So it's so easy for us to get so distracted by our busy reality. I am such an Israelite whining about what God didn't do instead of celebrating what he did do. I'm like, Lord, why am I so dull? Like, I would be, if you ever read that passage in, in the Bible where Jesus is in the boat with the guys and he goes, are you guys still that dull? I'm like, yeah, yep, that's me. Because it's like, how do we get there? It's because when God promises something, and he, is, he may not have done everything the way I wanted him to do it, but he hasn't failed on his promises at all. And the one thing that he has been so consistent in time after time, month after month, week after week, since we moved to Arizona, is he's given us an incredible peace that we know that we are right where God wants us. Hasn't been a time where I've doubted that. Now there have been many times where I've been frustrated to the nth degree with God. Because I'm like, God, why would you do this again? He's like, what do you mean again? I'm giving you everything. He even gave, I, I don't have a job, but I, I am working with Mission of Hope now, like it's, it won't pay the bills. But I get to go around to churches and tell people about Mission of Hope and what's happening in Haiti. And those of you that know me know I absolutely love Mission of Hope. And so God has given me a couple weddings to do. He pops up. And if you know anything about the year of Jubilee, you're supposed to live off the natural things that just pop up in the land. And God is having those things happen. And I could either focus on all the things I think God should have done, or I could just look at. God has literally given me everything that I believe in. He's like, Donnie, you don't even believe in the American retirement system. Enjoy what I'm giving you. It's truly your 50th year. I bought a boat that's 50 years old. I love old stuff. I call it Jubilee. The, the brand of the boat is called Newman. Newman all right? I'm a new man in my boat, in the year of Jubilee, on my Jubilee. God has given me more than I can think or imagine, and I resist him because I'm an idiot, (laughs) right? It's okay, you can laugh. I mean that with all respect to myself. Like, we are so dull sometimes. God lays it on a silver platter for us. It's like, here's your sign. And we resist it because it's not what we wanted. We'd rather choose our busy reality, do it the way we want to do it, have like Matt said, control over all the stuff that we do. Because we're so stressed out, we don't, we don't experience his peace. We don't experience his rest. And God has been saying, Donnie, I am giving you a full rest. Use it. I'm like, okay, God. Well, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> Some of you already knew that. And it's okay. Because we're all slow in some sort. But I want to challenge you where is it that you're resisting God? What is it that that God has provided that you're not quite falling in love with? Because this is what I know to be true. When I focus on God, I find His rest. Like when I choose to turn my attention to Him, I find His rest. I find His better way. I am at perfect peace. Like, why would I ever want to give that up? Because I long for my busy reality. Because when I focus on me, I find my busy reality. I can find things to do. And I'm going to assume that it's very likely the same with you. Now, what you find to do is probably different than mine, and what your struggle is is probably different than mine, and what your busyness is probably different than mine, probably different than the person you're sitting beside. Because that doesn't matter. What matters is, are you finding the fullness of what Christ provides? Because Christ, in his promises, says that he will provide a better way his way God provides for your story in my story a better way for his glory and that's what I want to end on here today is focusing on not yet don't get excited we're not leaving yet you got a couple more pages but I want us to focus on what Christ provides and what he does in your life and what do you really have access to because next week Shin's gonna talk about some of the things that you can do to experience this But I want us to understand the fullness of what it is that Christ even gives to us in the first place. So, in Psalm 46 4, same passage we get our theme verse out of, it says, There is a river, a river of life, Jesus Christ, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Now, in the Old Testament, the structure that was set up, where was the Most High? You don't have to answer that out loud. It was in the Holy of Holies, it was set apart, it was in the sanctuary. The high priest could only go in there one time a year. When he went in, he went in with a rope, and he had bells on. He had bells on, so as long as they jingled, the people outside knew he was still alive. If they stopped jingling, they knew he was dead, and he went into the presence of God in an unclean fashion. Now, this is why we have to understand what Christ provides, because before we ever had the Holy of Holies, we had We had equal access to God in the Garden of Eden. We walked with God. Remember, everything was good. Mankind walked with God. It wasn't until sin entered the world we were separated with a flaming sword. The Holy Spirit separated us from the presence of God. We were no longer given access to the presence of God. We were separated from him, kicked out of the garden, kicked out of his presence. Only the high priest could experience it. And those select few that got anointed with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And then the whole Old Testament is a story about how the struggle goes up and down and left and right, and we made a mess out of it. And if you just want to know what your life would look like without Jesus, just look at the Israelites. Like, we're no different than them. And then in comes Jesus, and he provides a new way. He says, I am Lord of the Ten Commandments, even. Ooh, we should be listening. And then Jesus provides for us a way back to that relationship with God that we once had in the Garden of Eden. And that's a huge part of why we have to understand what happened in Genesis is so important to what happens to us in our relationship with God. Matthew 27, 50 through 51 says this, right? This is a a pivotal moment of what I'm talking about and what Christ gives us access to. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. At that moment, the curtain was torn in two. And if you don't know what the curtain was, it was, it was basically uh, about six inches thick and it was I think it was like 20 feet high. I can't remember the exact dimensions, but it was taller than any human could And so it's important for us to know that it was ripped from top to bottom And it was one single long sheet It wasn't like there's was dividers that you could kind of like if I went through the the black curtain back there I could find multiple panels to get through it was one single panel unbroken And uh, only the high priest could get back there And so that was ripped torn in two giving us all access back to god giving us the fullness of the river of life that flows into the temple of God that makes a city glad, which is the most holy place. And Christ says, I am now giving you and everyone who calls upon my name access to that. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, what was in the Holy of Holies? Oh, we have the Ark of the Covenant. What was in the Ark of the Covenant it was so important that not if a man, Uzziah, touched it, he died immediately. What is so important that's in this ark that if a high priest goes in unclean, they die immediately? All right. I'll tell you what's in it. Three simple artifacts. All right. In the Holy of Holies, we have manna. What does God provide? What does does Christ's death on the cross, his tearing of the curtain, provide for us? It provides us access to... Am I ahead of myself? Yeah, I did. Go ahead and jump past that scripture. I'm going to jump past it. What does Christ give us access to? He gives us access to his provision. His provision is the manna. Imagine you and I, living for 40 years in the wilderness, eating manna. Talk about whining. I whine about the heat in Arizona every day. I can't imagine if I got fed the same food 40 years of my life. So is it about the manna, or is it about what the manna represents? Exactly, it's what the manna represents. The manna represents the provision of God christ gives us access to the fullness of his provision matthew 6 talks about do not worry about what you're going to eat don't worry about what you're going to wear don't worry about where you're going to live don't worry about any of those even pagans run and chase after those busy realities of their life they're necessities you have those are just things there god says i'm going to provide them for you i'm i promise you you will be taken care of i can attest god is been more than faithful to providing food and clothing and shelter my entire life. Hmm. All right. So you have access in your busy reality to his full provision. You don't have to worry about where you're going to work, where you're going to live, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. It says that Solomon in all of his glory wasn't even clothed as good as the lilies of the field. And they neither toil nor spin. God has it covered for you so you have access and Christ's death on the cross the veil tearing gave you access to his full provision it also gives you access to his identity hmm what's the second what's one of the other artifacts we have Aaron's rod all right what does Aaron's rod represent is it about the fact that we all get a stick that can bud leaves no that's not why we can't touch the presence of God what does that represent why is it so important that Christ gave us access to a stick in a box. I mean, when at the end of the day, that's what the ark was. It was a really ornate box with a couple of angels on top of it that nobody could touch and you couldn't see. Why is that so important? What was in it? The rod was Christ's authority, his identity. It said, Aaron, I choose you. You are chosen from amongst the millions of other people. And I choose you to represent me to the people. And the minute, that moment, that the veil tore, God says, I choose you. And I give you my authority. All authority on heaven and earth that I have been granted, I grant to you. You are now my ambassadors. You who call yourselves a follower of Christ. You now represent me on this earth. And you can walk with my authority you will do greater things than i have ever done because i will give you the authority and the power that rests upon you i give you my identity all the keys of the kingdom in heaven have been given to you man if that doesn't rock your world you don't understand what jesus did for you the king of kings just gave you his identity crying out loud our society can't even figure out if they're a boy or a girl yeah, and I don't mean that lightly. I don't mean that because I know some people might have a boy or a girl and struggling whether or not they're a boy or a girl. They don't even know what identity is. Our identity is not wrapped up in our sexuality. But the world wants us to think that it is. Our identity is wrapped up in who Christ is. He says, when I tear that veil, you are no longer representing you. You're representing the king of kings and the lord of lords. And I will give you my spirit. Man, That's powerful. That's what we have access to. He says, I have chosen you from the beginning of time to represent me. We're no longer separated. We can walk in the garden with Jesus again. When I was at Easter service this, this, uh, this Easter, I'm sitting there in our church that we're going to now. And uh, service is going on, and God just clearly speaks to me and says, Who are you? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even have a job. He's like, who are you? I'm not a pastor, I'm not a CEO, I'm not an executive director, I'm not an executive pastor, I'm nothing. He's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm a child of the king. My identity wasn't wrapped up in who or what I do, although it's easy in our busy reality to think it is. It's easy to think we're the ones that create our security, it's easy to think we're the ones that worked hard for that. It's easy to think it's my job to earn that money and it's my retirement. Nobody's getting that. I'm the one that did all that hard work. God to wipe it away like that. Matt read that passage last week. <laughs> you think you're going to store up your harvest in the barn? God says he can blow the barn over. Hmm. And yet I bought into it. Again, our busy reality is so seductive. It lures us to places that we don't want to go. My identity is in Christ. It's not in who I, in what I do. It's in who I am. I long for my busy reality. Why don't I long for him? I'm a pastor for 30 years. Oh, you would think I would catch myself a little quicker. Maybe you don't think I would. I would think I would catch myself a little quicker. I'm five months into this, and I'm only one month into actually enjoying my year of jubilee. I wasn't very jubilant in the beginning. Trust me. I'm kind of miserable to be around. I didn't even like being around myself. He also gives us promised character. Hmm. The Ten Commandments were the other third item that were in there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love, love yourself and love others as yourself. And he says, I'm, he, and here's the beautiful part. He's like, guys, you can't do this on your own because humans bite bullets. Like they're, they're just tough. Man, they're, they're rotten to the core. They're evil. They're not going to be easy to love. No, nope. humans, meh, I had to love them while they were still sinners. But I'm going to give you my spirit so you can love them. I'm going to give you my character so that it doesn't matter what they do to you. They can crucify you. They can cut you in two. They can boil you in a pot of water. Oh, wait, that's what they did to all the disciples. Yeah, watch how they died. He says, But I'm going to give you my character, I'm going to give you everything you need to be able to love people the way that I love them. I'm going to give you everything you need so that when you find yourself in your busy reality and you're not trusting God, I'm going to give you everything you need to be able to trust God because I'm giving you my character. Man, that is a beautiful thing that Christ provided for us. And yet we, are, we continue to be the great resistors of this great reset. But before you go to that one, just look at what this equals. His perfect peace is what all this brings. So you've been given access to this perfect peace, but yet many times we continue to push him away. And we have to ask ourselves, why do we do that? And maybe you don't. Maybe, you, maybe you're the epitome of being able to get this down. I am not. I am still working on this. But this is what he's provided. So when you talk about what it is that christ has provided when we think about the stillness that god has provided when we think about the busyness of our lives and and how it distracts us from the fullness of christ no matter what your busyness is because like matt said all of us it looks different in our lives but our busyness is a distraction from who god is this is who god is this is what christ provides and it's only in the stillness that we can know this at a personal level and when we know this when we know these things in our heart of hearts he will bring us that personal peace that perfect rest that he provides but we have to be real with ourselves and understand that we are often the great resistors to this great reset in our bodies in our minds the transformation we're the ones that put up the roadblocks from keeping christ from doing what he promises but it's there for all of us if we choose it. Colossians talks about how this amazing process looks in our lives and why there is no judgment. So if, you've, if you're retired, I'm not making any judgments about retirement. I don't, I don't really care. I'm just saying that's not how I personally have lived my life. And trust me, if you don't believe the way I believe, you're not going to be able to live that way, all right? But we are all different. My busyness looks different than your busyness, and this is why I want to end with this passage. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities; he shamed them publicly. This is talking about an act of war right here, and he's talking. Paul is talking about to the church of Coloss. He's talking about the act of Christ on the cross when he tore the veil and defeated Satan on the cross, and he defeated death. What this is hap- what this is alluding to is in that day and age, a king would defeat another country. And they would take that king, they would try not to kill him, and then when they would bring him back, they'd bring that opposing king into the victorious country, they would strip him naked, they would tie him in chains or a rope, and they would parade him through the city, and everybody would be hooting and hollering about the fact that now this opposing king is now subject to their king. That's what this is talking about. So the king of kings, the lord of lords, Jesus Christ, is now parading about the fact that he is he is more powerful than all the dominions and rulers of this earth, okay? And he said he shamed them publicly. That was, that's what he's referencing, by the victory on the cross. So don't, don't, including me, I'm not condemning, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moons or for celebrating certain holy days or new moons, or ceremonies, or Sabbath days. Don't let anybody condemn you for those. Keep going. For these rules are only shadows, the shadows of the why. Remember, you've got to ask yourself the why. Why is it there of the reality yet to come? And Christ himself is that reality because he is Lord over all of it. He is the reality He is the one. He has provided a way to your stillness. You just have to choose it. But the the reality is some of you in here may not have chosen it yet. Here's what I want to end with. Your busy reality could be keeping you from his better way. Your busy reality could be keeping you from his better way. I don't know. I don't know what's happening in your life. I shared with you mine. I shared with you my busy reality. And it certainly has kept me from experiencing the fullness of God at times. And then I get my life, my head straight, and then it goes again, and then I get my head straight, and then it goes again, and then I have to get my head straight again. I think I'm good right now. I've been good for about the last month. But my wife isn't here. She's watching us online. She would tell you, yeah, he wasn't doing the best when this was all going on. I was. And it... And I get it. Like, we have difficulties. Our busy reality is quite distracting. But what I want to leave you with is this. Is wherever you're at in your busy reality, wherever you're at in your acceptance of who Christ is, he is here for you, and he has provided a better way. He has defeated death. He has defeated every enemy. He has defeated every principality and authority on this earth. He is victorious. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has provided through his death and resurrection from the cross a better way. You just simply have to ask him for it. You have to say, thank you, God, for providing for me a better way. I am sorry for all that I have done. So if you've never done that the first time, that's the first thing you have to do. And for those of the rest of us, hopefully you're not as slow of a learner as I am, But regardless of how many times you have to learn lessons, all we have to do is declare daily, sorry God for what I did again. It says in the Psalms, his mercies are new every morning. We simply go back to God. Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. This is a daily surrender. God, I surrender my mind once again to you. That is what we have to do because our busy reality distracts us on a daily basis. There are some days you're going to win. And there's going to be some days that you're going to lose. Shin's going to share with us next week some helpful tools on how to make this a little bit easier to do. But the reality is first, you've got to understand what Jesus actually gave you access to. And I hope that you're able to do that uh, after today. So let, let's go to the Lord in prayer here this morning. Dear God, we just uh, come before you right now, Lord, and I just thank you so much for all that you have done. I thank you for the fact that you have given us the fullness of yourself. You have given us a better way. You've taught us to be still. You modeled it for ourselves. You modeled it from the creation. You modeled it in your own walk while you lived down here on this earth. God, you've explained it to us. You lay it in front of us. It's like a silver platter. And yet, God, we continue just like the Israelites to push you away. God, forgive me for that. Forgive us for that. And may we be a better ambassador of what it is that you've brought to us here on this earth. Forgive us, God, for the things that we've done. Forgive us, God, for the things that we do. Lord, we just surrender today daily just as you ask us to do. So God, if there's someone here today that's never surrendered their life to you, Lord, let your Holy Spirit work on their heart today. Let today be the day they are like, you know what, I need to accept Christ in his better way. And Lord, for the rest of us, If it's the first time we've prayed it this morning, Lord, let us reset our minds here this morning to wrap it around what it is that you've provided for us. And all God's people said, amen.